Hi, my name is Justin Edmonds. I'm the online media director at DCC. Thank you so much for listening to a Church in the City podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message, that it enriches and encourages you today, and that it fulfills our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. How are you? Good. Good. Advent. Advent. Christmas. Yeah? It's Christmas time again. Is that a little bit, I don't know if that's blowing anyone else's mind, but it's definitely blowing my mind, that's for sure. Uh, I'm surprised that it's Christmas again. It feels like forever since I've been up here um, and allowed to speak. So I don't know if I said something maybe last time. So I decided that that this time um, I would just like pretend like it was my last day here, you know, because Jamie told me you can do anything you want on your last day. So I was just going to pretend like it's my last day because I figured, you know, I must be on thin ice or something. So I got a bunch of Christmas jokes prepared uh, for all y'all today. Um, Some of them have been vetted. Some of them have not uh, by others. But no, seriously, though, I know that a lot of you know that, you know, before Jesus, before I was, you know, walking with the Lord and gave my life to Jesus, that I had somewhat of a, of a checkered past, right? Um, did a lot of different stuff. Did I ever tell you about the time that I stole the Advent calendar? I got 25 days. So my friend uh, just won the tallest Christmas tree competition, and I thought to myself, how do I top that? (laughs) Okay, so, all right, What what did the third wise man say after the other two had already presented gifts of gold and frankincense? But wait, there's myrrh. So when I was a kid, uh, my brother Brandon said to our mom, Mom, can you scratch the train set off my Christmas list? And my mom said, sure I can, but why, Brandon? And he said, I don't need it anymore. Yesterday I found one in the closet. (laughs) (sighs) So I went to the post office. So I went to the post office and I asked the clerk, Uh, for some Christmas stamps. And the clerk says to me, which denomination? I stopped and I thought for a minute, well, better give me five Baptists, two Lutherans, seven Catholic, and six Pentecostal. (laughs) I knew I should have put those in a different order. I couldn't figure out which one was the worst one, so I couldn't really figure out how to end, you know, on a high note with that because they were all so awful and terrible and funny at the same time. So... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm not going to tell that one you want me to tell, Brian. I'm sorry. So one thing I think is important, right? We talk about uh, Advent. We do this every year. We have an Advent series. But I think a lot of times we have these things. There's, there, we have these churchy things, you know? We have these churchy things, and we don't really know what they are, right? We just do them because they're the churchy thing to do. <laughs> Right? So, um, 
So really, what is Advent? Let's take a minute, right? So Advent, let's just for, did anybody, does anybody read the weekly anymore? Oh, I got three. I got three. Jonathan, I don't think we have to do the weekly anymore. Where's Jonathan? All right. No, seriously. So it's, this is in the weekly too, but, I, but for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to read it, um, that's okay. And I'll tell you, the word Advent, so the word Advent is derived from the Latin word, which means coming. Okay, and Advent is a season, and like many, many things in church history, um, the Advent season evolved, okay, into what it is today. It wasn't always what it is today, and probably until about the 5th or 6th century was very different, and then in the Middle Ages kind of evolved into sort of what we celebrate today, which is, which is basically a, a two-part celebration, okay? So Advent is really meant to, to celebrate both the coming of Jesus, right? The, 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 the incarnation, the birth in Bethlehem and, and, and all of that stuff that we know the story with the wise men and the shepherds and, and the star by night and all of that, right? So, so we're celebrating that, right? But at the same time, we're also celebrating in anticipation his return, looking forward to that, to that, uh, that moment when we're caught up with him and, and, uh, he's, uh, we see the fulfillment of it all. Let's just put it that way, right? So really, it's a, it's a two-part celebration. But the way that we, um, we've chosen to celebrate this, because there's a lot of different traditions and a lot of different ways to do it, um, at DCC, um, we celebrate Advent in four weeks, okay? And, and those four weeks are centered around four themes, which are embodied in the coming of our Lord and King, both past and future. And those themes are hope, joy, love, and peace. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about hope. And um, it's a really easy series for us as, as teachers, as speakers, as preachers to do because what good Christian preacher can't preach on hope? If you can't preach on hope, um, hmm, I don't know what to say. But I was telling Jamie today or last night or yesterday or I can't remember which kind of time sort of has been blending together for me lately. I really am excited about this morning because I... I'm preaching to myself today about hope. So um, you get to go along uh, for the ride, but just know um, if you get offended, it's not because I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. So if I, sometimes I'm, pro- I'm, I'm definitely harder on myself than anyone else on the planet. So, um, so yeah, so hope. What is this hope that we have? We talk a lot about hope. Hope is a, hope is a hot topic. It's a buzzword in Christian circles and have hope and don't lose hope and keep up hope and, you know, all of this stuff. And so I've been thinking about hope and I've been praying about hope and I've been reading about hope and I've been studying about hope, which has been really good for me. And I, and it's funny because we've been, you know, I know Chris has alluded to this a couple of times in the past, you know, a few weeks, you know, we've been going through a very difficult season uh, in our business, and and I am really excited at the level of hope um, that I'm walking in, and that the people around me are walking in. It's very, very, very cool. But here's the thing with that hope: that hope for us, for me, I'm telling you, that hope is 100% embodied in Jesus, and that's the cool thing about Advent, because Advent celebrates the embodiment of all of these things: of hope, joy, love, and peace. In 1 Peter, we read this. 
This is First Peter chapter one, and uh, start. I'm just going to pick up in verse three. I'm going to read this. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." To whom an inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing that you should walk away from today, Understanding. There's one thing. It is that hope is the language of heaven. And when we partner our words with anything but hope, we partner with darkness. Fear is the language of hell. And hope and fear cannot coexist because they're contrary to one another. Hope is the language of heaven. Jesus is our loving hope. Peter tells us here that we've been born again. We've been born again to a living hope. And he goes on and he talks about the things that are to come right? The resurrection and, 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 and the salvation, the ultimate salvation that, that we experience at the revelation of Jesus and the second coming and all of this stuff, right? Which is all amazing and great. I was reading this and I wanted to read this to you. This is from a, from a commentary that I, I enjoy. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to read this. I hope it's not too wordy, but I thought, I thought the way that he really, he worded this was, was, was pretty great. And so I just want to read this to you. Um, this hope to which we've been born again is a lively hope that is not only living, but actually alive. An energizing principle of divine life in the believer. A Christian hopefulness and optimism produced in the believer, yielded to the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is both an attitude of expectancy as the Christian looks forward to the inheritance awaiting him or her in heaven and a hopefulness of present blessing from God in this life in view of the internal blessedness of the believer in the next life. A child of God has no right A child of God has no right to look on the dark side of things and to look for the worst to happen to him or her as the object of God's care and love. He or she has the right to look for the best to come to him or her and to look on the bright side of things. 
It just was so powerful to me when I read that, that we have no right. We have no right to look at the dark side of things. We have no right to partner our words with fear and the language of hell. We have no right, but yet we have every right as sons and daughters of the Most High God, born again, full of the Holy Spirit in power to partner our words with the language of heaven, which is to hope and to see the things around us change. The word that Nan had this morning was amazing. I love that. I've been thinking about that so much, about facts. There's facts all around me. There's facts all around you. There's all kinds of stuff. And if you read the news or you stay on social media or whatever, if you don't live in a cave or under a rock, there's a lot of facts out there that are pretty grim and bleak. And yet how dare I, as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, how dare I partner my words with the language of hell? And I would say, how dare you? How dare us? As the, chi- the children of the Most High, as the ambassadors of heaven, as the ones who are supposed to have the most hope, as the ones who are supposed to be the beacons. How dare we? <laughs> but we do. Right? And you know what? Look, there's grace for that. Just repent. It's okay. Repent. Turn from it. Turn from it. It's okay. Repentance is a beautiful word. Okay? The word of God tells us that the loving kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's God's loving kindness that says, hey, that's not for you. Let's turn around and do this thing. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop playing with that. Let's stop going that direction. Let's turn around. Let's put that aside and let's say, "Hmm, that's not for me anymore here. I don't want that. That's repentance. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says this. He says, says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over that which they stumble. I heard Chris Fallotton from Bethel Church in Reading say one time, he who has the most hope has the most influence. He who has the most hope has the most influence. There's so many things when we read the scriptures you know, and you, and you look at the history of the people of God. You look at the history of God's dealings with humanity. It's not all sunshine and roses. <laughs> right? It's not all flowery. There's a lot of it that looks grim and even things that happen that it's like, man... 
But I was reminded, I was reminded of this passage in Lamentations yesterday as I was studying and, and preparing for today. I was reminded of this passage and it says, Jeremiah says this, he says, this I recall to my mind. Now, let's back up real quick. And let's think about the, the, the book of Lamentations uh, and, and the context in which this is written. So this is written in the context of the decimation of Israel. Israel is laid to waste. Not to be gruesome, but carnage, dead bodies, it's literally not a good thing. This is, is real bad. It's real bad. And in the midst of this, Jeremiah says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses. Loving kindnesses. That's not even a word. He just totally made that up. But you know what he's talking about? The loving kindnesses of God, the acts of just absolute, extravagant, reckless, ridiculous love. The loving kindnesses of God. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. His mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. The Lord is my portion. I don't need to be filled with the trappings of this world. I don't need to be filled with material. I don't need to be filled with the praises of man. I don't need to achieve the accolades. I don't need any of that stuff. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is everything I need. He is 100% my fulfillment. He is my portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Because why? Because he never fails. Because he never lets us down. Because he never quits. Because he's unstoppable. He's relentless. I've gone all kinds of crazy places and done all kinds of crazy things. And my life was going to hell in a handbasket literally before I met Jesus. And he was relentless to chase me down. He was relentless to pursue me. He was relentless to go into the darkest pit that I could dig and I could create in my life and go in and take me by the hand and say, son, I love you. You're made for more than this. What are you doing? Come with me. Come with me. See, if we hope in the facts, we're going to be disappointed. Sorely disappointed. If we hope in the elections, we're going to be sorely disappointed. There's an interesting song out there by Derek Webb, Savior on Capitol Hill. You should look it up. It's funny. 
You're never going to have a savior in Washington or in Lansing or downtown Grand Rapids. I don't care how hard you pray because he's not running for office. He's already the king of kings. He doesn't need that crap. Now, I'm not saying politics isn't important because it is, and you should let your voice be heard and you should vote for the things that Jesus would have you vote for. You should vote for the things the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart to vote for. You should vote in alignment with the language of heaven. But we don't get into politics. (laughs) But it is my last day. So maybe today I will. (laughs) So listen, he finishes that by saying, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The opposite of hope is fear. Remember that. So when we start to give way to fear because we do, when we start to wrestle with fear because we do, when we start to wrestle with anxiety because we do, when we start to have those kinds of facts start to gain ground and start to sway the way we're thinking about the world around us or the things in front of us, the life that God has for us, when we start to see that, we have to recognize that that fear, that is the language of hell and it is not for me to partner with that. It is for me to partner with the language of heaven, which is hope. And again, my hope is not in the facts. My hope is not in the outcome. My hope is not in the result. My hope is in him. Okay? My hope is in him. The Lord is my portion. Not the results. Not the outcomes. Not the things that are going to happen. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And that is why I can have hope. Because no matter what, come hell or high water, come any circumstance, any situation, any destruction, any decimation, the Lord is unshakable. His position is unshakable. His throne is unshakable. His promises in my life are unshakable. His declaration over me, his banner over me never changes no matter what. Never changes. Do you think you are so powerful as to change the declaration of God? And do you think that the president of the United States or whoever else it is or the Supreme Court is powerful enough to change the declaration of God? Hope is an environment. Okay, now stay with me here for a second because it's going to get a little bit mystical. (laughs) Hope is an atmosphere. Okay, hope is, hope is a paradigm. It's a methodology. It's a way of doing things in heaven. There is nothing that's done in heaven that's not done in hope. Nothing. Nothing is said in heaven that's not said in hope. Okay, now, let's look at a couple things here a second. Let's look back in Genesis. Genesis in chapter 3. 
You know the story, right? Adam and Eve, they're kicking it in the garden. There's, I don't know if it's an apple or pomegranate, whatever it was. There's a serpent. There's all this stuff. They eat the fruit. There's a curse. They're exiled. They're exiled from the garden. That was done in hope. Go back, read the story. Go back, read it. What does God say? He says, your offspring will will crush the head of the serpent. Prophetic declaration of the coming of the Messiah. How do you like that? Boom, first thing. Right on the scene. Here's God shows up. He says, hey, this, okay, this is not ideal. Kind of stinks. But don't worry. Don't lose hope. (laughs) Because, okay, it's going to take a little while. But we're going to crush the head of that serpent. Look at the flood. Look at Noah. I mean, look at all of this stuff. What? I mean, even, even, the, even the crazy stuff that you read, it's done in hope. The crucifixion. Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross in hope. In hope of what? Because he knew that he was going to resurrect from the dead. And he knew that you were the joy set before him. And so he endured the cross. The captivity of Israel. I mean, it could go on and on and on and on and on. I mean, God says, okay, we're going to send you away now. The, you know, whatever. They got, they got taken captive, right? All this stuff. But they got taken captive with a declaration that don't worry. That's not the end. This is not the end of you. This is not the end of your life. My promises for you will prevail. The promises of God in your life will prevail. No matter what the facts say. Hope is an environment, it's an atmosphere, it's a paradigm. It's the way that heaven works. Hope is the womb. Hope is the womb of spiritual transformation in which the promises of God are activated in our lives. Say that again. Hope is the womb of spiritual transformation in which the promises of God are activated in our lives. Faith gives birth to hope, and hope gives birth to the promises of God in your life. Listen. Hmm, how do I say this? The promises of God are not automatic in your life. They're not automatic. It'd be nice. Be nice if they were. I'd love that. That'd be cool. But there's responsibility. There's responsibility on us. There's responsibility on us to partner with what he's doing. There's responsibility on us to, to, to say yes to his yes. There's a lot of different kinds of responsibility. Again, they're not your promises and you're not responsible for the results where we're responsible is to submit and yield to the Holy Spirit and say yes. Where we're responsible is to say, that's what I want. I want what you want. I want to say yes to your yes. I want to say yes to your yes. 
So faith gives birth to hope, and hope gives birth to God's promises. God declares promises over your life, and yet without that womb of spiritual transformation, I don't know. Without that hope, I don't know. Is that stuff actually going to take place? I don't know. Let's look at Abraham. Abraham, in Romans, in chapter 4, Paul says this about, about, about Abraham. He says, in hope, against hope, he believed, so that he, may, he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So Abraham becoming a father of many nations wasn't necessarily automatic. Abraham hoped against hope. Abraham looked at his body and said, man, I'm old. Nan brought up Sarah this morning, 80 years old. I'm old. Abraham, against facts, hoped in truth and said yes to God's yes. And because he did that, that hope created a womb of transformation which birthed out his, the promises of God in his life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance, literally the thing that hope is made up of is faith. The concrete assurance, the substance, the stuff. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The conviction, the evidence of things not yet seen. The conviction, the evidence of things not yet seen. There are a lot of things that I'm hoping for. See, but Christian hope is not a fool's hope. We talked about this already, right? It's not like, oh, I hope. It's not wishing. Hope is not wishing. It's, <laughs> it's grabbing hold of the promises of God in your life and saying, yeah, God. Yeah, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe you said that. I'm going to believe you said that. I'm going to say yes. And when the facts come, and when the facts change, and when things look grim, and when things look bleak, and it doesn't seem to line up with the truth of what you say, I'm going to choose to believe the truth in the face of facts that seem to deny it. I'm going to go ahead and believe. And that's where faith comes in. Faith is that concrete assurance that literally makes up that hope. And then that hope becomes that womb of spiritual transformation in which the promises of God are birthed out in your life. And listen, at the end of the day, it's of the utmost importance that we realize that hope, hope is Jesus. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. Jesus, Jesus Christ is the foundation and the substance of our hope, faith in him, faith in who he says he is, and faith in who he says we are because of who he is. Faith in what he says he will accomplish. Faith in who, in what he says the outcomes are. Faith in all of this makes this hope, and it creates this, this womb of, 
of transformation. And, and for me, I'm so, I'm so on fire. I just want to just live inside of that, but I don't want to live there because a womb isn't a place that you stay. It's a place that things are birthed from. Hope. Hope. The opposite of hope is fear. Hope is the language of heaven. Fear is the language of hell. Hope is an environment, an atmosphere, a paradigm. Hope is the way of doing things in heaven. Hope is the womb of spiritual transformation in which the promises of God are activated in our lives. Jesus Christ is the foundation and the substance of our hope. Listen, I'll read this again. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Listen, language is important. Hope is the language of heaven. We are created to speak it. We're created to speak it. And when we speak contrary to hope, we speak contrary to God's nature and to our own. And the person with the greatest level of hope in operation has the greatest level of influence for the kingdom of God in their own life and in the lives around them. So let us go and spread this hope that we have. The hope of his incarnation, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection, of his coming again, and of his gift of life without limits, which we experience today and on into the age of come. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite Lisa to come back up in the band. We're going to go back into a time of response and worship. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church in the City podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with a friend. And be sure to check out other content from DCC on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.